Welcome back to another Strong Towers podcast. This is John Ackerman, and we're still in the midst of our summer pause here at Strong Towers. But as we've been doing over the last couple of weeks, we wanted to bring back another one of our early episodes, kind of as a way to help everybody get reacquainted with each other, especially if you caught up with us more than halfway through season one. So today I have the privilege of reintroducing Mike Lara to all of you. Uh, Mike's been running around like crazy being super dad, and I kid you not, he's <laughs> he's having so much fun with his boys this summer. And so just take something off his plate. I told him we'd get this episode up and running for him so that he wouldn't have one more thing to do. And so I was, as I was listening to Mike's story again, uh, just before we send it back out this coming week, I was just, I was so touched by what really seemed to be one of the, the most transparent and vulnerable early episodes that we put out. Uh, just in terms of portions of our story that aren't quite finished yet, uh, that don't have a nice, neat bow, and that kind of pull back the curtain on some of the parts of our lives that have not gone smoothly. You know, in this 21st century age of social media life comparison, it really is easy to just see the bits of ourselves that we put out for mass consumption. And then as we see those pieces of other people's lives to feel like, man, I'm, I'm really dropping the ball. And what I loved about this episode was hearing Mike's story and hearing Mike talk about the pieces of his life that weren't necessarily what any one of us would hope that they would be. And yet to hear the redemption and the courage that's displayed throughout his story is really one of my favorite things about this episode. Uh, So again, thank you all for giving us the time to pause this summer. Uh, We actually just got together a couple of days ago and we're doing some significant brainstorming about what season two is going to look like, and man, are we excited. Uh, We were excited before the meeting, but now that we've sat down and some things have fallen into place, I cannot wait for the fall to get here. Uh, so mark your calendars for the Monday after Labor Day, September 9th. Uh, that'll be the first round of Season 2 content coming out for you, and I think you're really going to like it a lot. Uh, but for now, thanks for taking the time to get reacquainted with us and who we are and where we are, and thanks for coming along for this part of the journey. So on behalf of Mike, this is John Ackerman with Tom Edwards as well. Thank you for being part of Strong Towers. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Strong Towers Podcast, a podcast with one simple vision build up, become strong. So Mike, last time we got to hear a little bit of my story and what chasing the dream kind of means for me right now. You're the only West Coast guy in the group. So how about you just start with a little bit of what life looked like growing up uh, out on the West Coast, surfing and palm trees and whatever else you were into. Thanks, Tom. That's that's exactly what it looked like. <laughs> uh, an episode or two of the OC um, with skateboarders and everybody. But no, seriously, I lived in, uh, I grew up in uh, Coachella Valley. And so it was a lot of palm trees and golf courses. But I was uh, probably on the other side of that. My my dad was a construction worker. 
and I grew up actually working at a uh, a hotel, busing tables and whatnot for for some of the different uh, restaurants that were around there. But yeah, it was beautiful. Palm Springs, you hear about it all the time, and it was a great place to grow up and, and live. What do you remember from not childhood? Let's say high school in, in that time. So yeah, so one of the things that um I would say is a little bit different from my story and maybe catches up to somebody out there too, but I was actually um from high school on my my parents got divorced. So I was actually raised by my grandparents going into high school. So my grandfather and my grandmother were really the ones who kind of raised me and taught me how, a lot about who I was and how to be. So it was a, definitely a different time for me to have that kind of mentorship as far as like, I guess, a generational gap by having my grandfather really kind of show me mm-hmm. the way and, and show me things from from his perspective instead of directly from my from my dad. And I don't want to take anything away from my dad. My dad my dad was there, but just I think he was going through his own things and, you know, trying to battle through the uh, through the divorce and, and kind of grow out of that. And so I really was um, fortunate enough to have my, my grandparents there for me. And so you also, out of the three of us, are the only one with some service history. Yes. So what uh, what led you down the path toward the military? So yeah, going back on that, um, and I think I mentioned this during part of our intro in the last episode, but my junior year, struggling with school, I was actually cleaning out my uh, some paperwork and I actually found my old transcripts. So I saw my grades, which were pretty comical. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I struggled with school. Um, I was constantly trying to figure out what, what it was that I was supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't feel like school was, was it for me, right? I didn't feel like college and further education was was my path. So I had talked to one of my buddies, and he was gun-ho, saying he was going to join the Army. And I, I was like, this is awesome. I get to go for four years and have the opportunity to earn money for college. And looking back on it, it was kind of a mature thought. I'm not going to be able to do school now, but in four years, I may be a little bit older, more mature, and a little bit smarter that I could probably handle school, and it won't be on my dime. It'll be on Uncle Sam's, and took the opportunity and joined, or enlisted my junior year in high school, and, and then went from there to uh, finish it off my senior year, and then going on to uh, to the Army. So, Mike, was there was there already at that point a dream that you felt like you were chasing? Was there kind of a vision of where you wanted to go or maybe even who you wanted to be? You know, when I think about the dream and the desire, it was kind of twofold, I think, without realizing it at that time. Coming into the Army, I don't want to paint the perfect, like the picture of like, I wanted to be the Steve Rogers, Captain America type, right? <laughs> but I, 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 Nothing I, wrong with that. I, I, I love that, right? I mean, that was, that was, I was like, I'm going in to serve my country. I'm going to be the little guy that came from the other side of the tracks, if you will. And I was going to do great things in the army and, and really become better as a, as a, as a person and as a man. I think one of the things that I, I didn't realize until I actually started like boot camp and going into the army was just that, that positive feedback from, from other stronger males. You know, my, my grandfather was very um, quiet kind of guy. So he would mm-hmm. give me a couple grunts or, you know, nods on how to do things or, or what I was doing wrong. And yeah, would give me that kind of feedback. My dad was always more of a, I don't want to say like an older brother type, but very much like, oh, well, whatever you think is best and, you know, kind of timid in that way. Yeah. So it was great to have men that were, would give you the feedback, right? Would give you that hard pat on the back or that punch on the shoulder that, hey, you're doing a good job and 
I strived for that. All right. I was really mm-hmm. trying to be coached up, to be mentored by these men that were, you know, kind of defined as, as men. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. The army was a great opportunity for Neverland or Lost Boys, but there was a lot of guys that were in the same boat as me. Right. We're looking for that coach and that, that father figure who was going to give us the, you know, that a boy and, and, the, and the punch on the chin and, and tell us yeah. that we did a good job. So I think that when I look at the, the dream and the desire, it was really to be fathered, to be kind of somebody pulling me up by the shoulder and, and give me a hug and tell me, you know, you're doing a good job. So, yeah. so you kind of, found that mentoring and that structure and and then you decided to stick with it for a little bit right yeah so four years in and getting that opportunity to take advantage of the gi bill and passed up on it i think at that point i had two deployments in and i was enjoying life everything that i wanted was there for me and now not only that but i was getting into the point at at four years where i was starting to become a coach and I was starting to become a mentor and I was getting the opportunity to kind of lead these younger guys and kind of show them the way that I, that kind of yeah. the path that I had kind of set out for myself and, and give them the opportunity to learn from what I had done. So I took that and ran with it. So after finding all of that, what made you decide to leave? Yeah, Tom, that's a, that's a great question. And I sometimes still ask myself that now, you know, going, going in, I, um, I had the retirement halfway point, right? You know, they say 20 years to retire and, and get that paycheck. But I was at the uh, the tenure mark and I'd had six years of, or I had six deployments, sorry. I was really struggling with now married, right? This is, you know, when I left before it was, it was single Mike and single Mike schools were a lot different than, than married, married Mike schools. <laughs> at 10 years, my, my wife and I sat down and we talked and she had just been, with me for the last three, right? She'd been my, my girlfriend, my fiance, and, and now my wife on the last three. And, and during that time, one of the things that I, that I really, really haven't touched on much was I really found God in that time period and really kind of shifted my focus on what was important to me and what my dream was and what my desires and, and, and goals and aspirations were at that time yeah. became a little bit different. A little, like I said, single Mike's, uh, Goals were a lot different than married Mike's goals. And I remember sitting there on my last deployment, you know, I had a couple different opportunities, whether that was, you know, further in my career as, you know, a warrant officer or going to a couple cooler, and I'm doing air quotes here, assignments that would have probably cost more time for, for deployments. But I had that opportunity. And then my other one was, was ETSing or getting out of the army. And, you know, I've, I've told the story to a couple people, but one of the things that, that really kind of shook me was, one of the soldiers had come into our office area and was looking at, uh, at the computer. We, we, you know, I was a communications guy, so we always had the best internet. But, um, he had, he had come in to talk to his wife through Skype and she'd sent him a YouTube video. And, uh, I remember him kind of, you know, getting a little bit of that watery eye and, and looking back at me and saying, uh, you know, Sarlara, these are, these are the times you don't get back. And he, he, sh- he showed me the computer screen and there was a, a video of his, of his son taking his first steps. And it really kind of hit me hard. Like at the time I wasn't a dad, I had, I had no kids at the time, but I was like, wow, you were missing out on your kid's first steps while you're deployed. And I remember coming back and talking to my wife about that and, and saying like, I don't want to miss those. I don't want to miss those, those moments. I don't want to be a Skype dad. I don't want to be a YouTube dad, right? I don't want to be somebody that's going to be talking to my kid on over the phone 90% of the time. Yeah. So we, um, 
we made the decision we were going to get out of the army. And I say we because very much a team who took that leap, made a, uh, a a decision to try civilian life out. So walk us through that process a little bit. I mean, obviously, you'd figured out what what the priorities needed to be, but you've also talked about a, about just how important military life had become and what you had found meaningful in it. So to what extent was this an easy decision and to what extent did you feel like you were really giving up something important to you? No, it's a, a great question, John. And I think, I think you kind of nailed it. I think I struggled for quite a bit afterwards. I really found my groove in the military. It was while I struggled in school, while I struggled in sports, I really found almost just like the golden job for me, right? I was doing what I loved. I was mentoring. I was getting mentored and and I struggled getting out. Um, cause I, I knew it was the right decision. I knew it was what needed to be done for my family. And I don't want to say I had resentment at all, but there was a little bit of of fear stepping away from something that I thought I was I was pretty good at. Mm. And there was some uh, struggles that I had afterwards because at that time I thought I was doing what what my calling was. Right? I struggled with the fact that. Here I am with my desire to mentor soldiers, to teach them how to be, how to be men and coach them up. And, and I was walking away from that, something that I was, I, yeah. I felt I was really good at. Towards the end of my career, I was getting the, the rewards and the pats on the back and the opportunities to, to do more. And it, it was a struggle. It was hard, especially stepping away the next, you know, two or three years after I got out, I, you know, ended up working at a, at a position where I was not a leader, I was you know just a a, a guy answering the phone and and assisting and, and trouble tickets and whatnot. But I, <laughs> I I didn't get that um opportunity to lead men into battle kind of attitude, right? right. Like I was right. I was you know not to uh, paint the picture of uh, Mr. Incredible because I'm not Mr. Incredible, but I think of Mr. Incredible sitting in the cubicle and and answering phones and, yeah. and doing yeah. the insurance policy stuff. But that's what I felt like. I felt like I. I missed my opportunity to to coach and and mentor men, and I was stepping away from that. And yeah, struggled with that. I imagine that is a struggle for a lot of veterans. You know, the military just presents different opportunities than civilian life does. As you ask that question, Tom, I can I can only imagine like some of the other struggles that some of these veterans go through as far as like making that leap. I know it's a, it's a hard transition, especially like I would say combat veterans and guys that are, are really struggling with the change. I mean, I was a little bit, I'd say I was fortunate in the way that I was, I was more of a communications geek and nerd when it came to doing, you know, computers. And I think it is a struggle for a lot of us because it is a different type of life in there, right? It is a different type of leadership a different type of chain of command it's just a it's just a different life things are handled a lot differently than they are in the civilian world and so that transition is is hard for most and i think i was fortunate i think i was blessed i think i was um given all the right opportunities when i got out and at the right time Mm -hmm. and you know don't want to say anything was coincidence or anything like that not a big believer in coincidence so i think i think i was very fortunate and like I said, blessed to end up where I ended up after I after I got out. So as you were making that transition, Mike, did it feel like there was already a new passion, a new dream replacing the one that you had while you were in? 
or did this feel like the death of a dream and now you're kind of untethered and I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing next? So as I kind of said earlier, I, I did struggle with, with defining that, that what that dream was, because at the time my, my dream was, was being killed, right? I mean, what I thought at that time my dream was to, was to lead men and soldiers and be that guy. And so I struggled with that for, for some time coming out. And it wasn't until talking to my wife and, and you know, I don't want to say maturing, but just really developing our relationship, becoming more of a husband and becoming more of this man that I would, and I'm still striving to become. But it wasn't until then that I realized that the desire that I kind of had deep down in, in me to be a father had grown more. Mm. And I realized at that time that, wow, that, that dream of mentoring and leading didn't just end with with soldiering and being Sergeant Lara, right? It was it was really the opportunity for me to learn and and I don't want to say practice, but really just kind of gain a lot of experience from being a non commissioned officer, from being that coach, being that mentor that really set itself up for for being a dad. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So So talk to us about that a little bit. You now have Two boys. Two boys. Number yeah. three on the way. Yes. So how does that change what the dream looks like? It's funny because the dream has always been been that mentor coach without realizing it and kind of looking back, you know, with that perfect hindsight vision, right? It's just the opportunities that I was given to learn and to strive and to become that mentor coach for for my for my sons. I think I, I've really defined that that dream now and that desire to be, to be a good dad. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with that comes still the desire to be coached up and taught, but to want to learn from other men from, and really from, from, from God and how to be that good husband and that good father for, for my children and for my wife, you know, as I, as I think about it and as I go back and, and just kind of talk about that today, I think about, the struggles that I had and, and the desire that need to fill that void as I, as I came into the army and all that other stuff, I'm almost really fulfilling that for my sons now. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, I, I think that's such an awesome opportunity to really raise, you know, three men of God and, and get that opportunity to kind of coach and teach them things that I, that I didn't have when I was that young. Mm -hmm. I smile now thinking that, Hey, they're going to benefit from the lessons that I've learned from the military and, and even the last, you know, seven, eight years of, of civilian life and, and, and what we're doing. So. So, Mike, you had mentioned during kind of the high school phase that your parents divorced. You were kind of brought up by your grandparents, um, but definitely felt the generational gap uh, in terms of uh, being fathered. Right. Uh, and, and that there was some lack there. Uh, so how do you approach that? Now that you do have uh, your boys, so that is definitely uh, a great question, and I think that's what I, I kind of still struggle with, is how to approach that and how to come up with those answers. I think one of the paths or one of the things that I've kind of led myself to do is to is to search for those answers, right? Mm. Whether that's asking a friend, whether that's listening to a podcast or reading a book, I tend to have the mentality and maybe it's the military mentality in me but and i know it's not a popular belief now but that failure is not an option right mm. i have this mentality that i'm i can't afford to not be successful as a dad that i have to be 
the best dad that I can possibly be. So I strive to search for those answers. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of that has led me to create stuff from multiple avenues, I guess, multiple, multiple streams, whether that's, um, listening to my friends, you know, I don't want to say stealing their ideas, but, you know, definitely adapting and creating new, new traditions and new mm-hmm. habits or new things for, for my kids. And yeah, kind of like an, an option that I have to do. Okay. So follow up. Yep. That's sort of the being a father side. Yeah. How about being fathered? Yeah. That's a, another good question. I'm not even sure how to answer that. It's something that I'm still trying to work through. I think that's something that as I continue to look for that, that mentor coach, I'm reminded that it may not come, that I may not always have somebody to kind of lean on. That's not always a bad thing. I think that leaves the opportunity for growth in other ways. I think it's something that as I've grown and as I've matured, I've realized that some of those opportunities to to get mentored may not come in the form of what I expect. Mm-hmm. And it may not always be that person who's just going to come up and, and coach me, right? That it may be something outside of that, something a little bit more spirit-driven, something a little bit more of opportunities for even myself to kind of grow in. So does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And do you feel okay about that? Is that upsetting, off-putting? It, it's it's hard. It is hard. It's it's a difficult situation, right? It's I struggle with it. I kind of go back and forth. Jealousy is not the right word, but I do struggle with hearing like some of my peers who are able to just so easily pick up a phone and call dad or go down the street to dad and say, "Hey, hey, pops, you know, help me out here, or what can I do for this." And so it's hard for me sometimes when I think that I don't have that ease, Mm. but it's also a reminder. And even as I say that, just to think about how easy it is to ask my father. And what I mean by that is, it's just being able to go to God, right? And just really kind of reach out and, you know, like I said, it doesn't always have to be that direct answer from dad or somebody that's an actual physical person, right? I mean, I, I, yeah. I don't know other ways to answer that besides saying that, you know, yeah, it's 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 hard. It's it's something that I struggle with still today mm. that I don't have that easily, you know, speed dial phone number that I can call right. and get the answers. Right. So it's not wrapped up. No. Something that I'm continuing to, as we say, chase, right? Mm. As we continue to chase that desire yeah. and that dream that, you know, it's something that's not just done yet, right? And it's something that I continue to kind of push forward to and continue to try to run down, continue to try to get answers for and enjoy the journey. Yeah. And I appreciate you being that open about the struggle because one of the things that we promised ourselves as we launched this venture was we were not going to provide answers. We were not going to provide stories with neat bows tied at the top. And at the same time, that kind of sucks Yeah. because as much as that is authentic and feels authentic for the life that we know most people are living there's still that part in us that desperately wants our life at least to have a bow Mm. at least in those places of the deepest passions Mm. and the deepest desires and the deepest hurts 
and we don't. We don't have that. You know, Tom didn't have that as, you know, he's chasing this dream of, of not only work, but vocation and calling. And Mike, as you're pursuing this, this dream of not only being an amazing father, which you are, by the way, and we've seen you with your boys and it's, it's truly amazing, but also this dream of being fathered, right? uh, which I think is something that a lot of guys would and will resonate with Mm -hmm. that there are just, there are some things we didn't get. And as we move forward as men chasing those things that have been placed in us to desire most deeply, coming along for the ride is the younger version of ourselves yeah. that is still trying to figure out where to go and what to do and, and who to turn to for answers. And, and I think that's part of what we want to do, not only with this series, but with this platform of kind of address that that duality, that, that dual desire in each of us as men to, to move forward and to chase and to pursue and to attain those deepest desires and to find those younger versions of ourselves a, a place to be restored, a place to be given the things that they didn't get. Right. And so I know this won't be the last that we hear of your story and of the dreams of fatherhood and being fathered. But for now, I just, I want to say thank you as a friend and as a co-laborer on this for setting the bar high as we continue this series on, on chasing the dream. So until next time, this is John, Mike, and Tom. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for being part of the journey. And we'll catch you in the next episode. <laughs>